uh, dad said, he's been like a father to me my whole life. Uh, no, that's so bad. I'm so sorry. Uh, I am the youth and young adults overside of Morayfield. So uh, things are happening in Morayfield. Things are happening in the youth and young adults. I've just taken on young adults and I'm excited for what God's going to do there. We're getting new young adults every week on a Sunday and, and we're just going to keep getting new young adults because people, there's plenty of people out there. And then youth, as, as you may know, youth is going bonkers. I'm not going to lie. I, like I've got the best team on earth. Like I love my Morayfield youth team. They're, they're hungry. They, they want more for their youth. They always strive. And, and the one thing that I love about them is they never want to stop. Sometimes I've seen youth leaders and get tired, but these ones always are thinking of the next idea, thinking of what we could add. And, and can we just give my team a massive round of applause? <laughs> Currently, um, you would have felt tonight, we are seeing a move of God at church at the moment, aren't we? Tonight's worship was just a sign of that. There was, there was just a presence of God like no other. We're seeing miracles happen on a Sunday morning and Sunday night. We're seeing salvations happen. I, to be completely honest, I've never seen a move of God like this in my life. I'm only 25 years old, but, but I've never in my life seen a move of God like what's happening right now. It's unbelievable. And, and the best part is it's not just our church that's happening. It's happening in the church. Like I was at a pastor's event on Tuesday night and you would ask, well, how's your church going? They're like, miracles, salvations, things were going on. And it's, and it's so good to see. And you see, I really believe that this is just the start of it. I really believe we're, we're going to see more miracles. We're going to see more healings. We're going to see more salvations. We're going to see more packed altars. This is just the start of it. And there was something similar happening in the in the time in the Bible, and it happened shortly after um, Jesus died on the cross. It was in the book of Acts, and you see, God was moving throughout nations on a much larger level. That's what's happening now, and many, many people were being saved, and miracles were occurring. Great, great things were happening in this book. It's awesome, but there's just a specific story in Acts three that I want to touch on tonight that that really shows what was going on. And you see, the story says two men named Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. And you see, around that time, that there was a lame man, it says, that would be dragged by his friends. For all the young people, lame doesn't mean uncool. Um, it, it doesn't mean that you're not cool. And <laughs> Lame means that your leg's not working. Your legs aren't working. And so he would get carried to the temple gates every day and ask for money. He would ask for money. And he said that as Peter and John were going to the temple, it says that as he did to everybody, he asked them for money. And Peter then goes on to say, I don't have any money. Who has, who has said that before? <laughs> uh, we all have. But <laughs> one day they're going to get FPOS machines and we're all stuffed. <laughs> one day. But, I, I, yeah, that's not going to be good for our budget. I'll feel too bad. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, so, but you see, Peter goes on and says that he has something else. We haven't said that. I've never said that. And actually goes on and heals this man. It says the man jumps up and starts walking and praising God. And it goes on to say when people realized it was the man that had been begging for years at the temple gate, they were in awe, wonder, and amazement at watching this happen. This is one of many stories of God moving around that time. But you see, when God moves, unfortunately, but fortunately, the devil doesn't like it. 
And he will do everything in his power to stop it. So of course, shortly after Peter performed that great miracle, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were preaching and arrested them, chucked them in jail. So this is just one of countless times in history that shows when God moves, the devil doesn't like it. And unfortunately, but really fortunately, with what we are seeing at church, the devil will not be liking it. The devil's not gonna be liking what he's seeing in, happening in your life, happening in our church, happening in the church. So he's going to do whatever he can for, to make us as people lose our passion for God, lose our passion to see people saved, lose our drive and lose our hunger. He's gonna do everything he can. But you see, the thing is, and this is what we need to remember, God is much bigger. The story goes on to say that from what Peter and John shared, 5,000 people got saved. 5,000 people enter into a relationship with God. From two people that got chucked in jail, 5,000 people entered into a relationship with God. How good is that? But you see, we may know that God's bigger, but how hard is it to actually believe that when you're in a challenge, when, when you get a bit of opposition come to you. It's not easy to believe that at times. It actually can be pretty scary. And tonight I have named my message, What If? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray for tonight, Lord. I thank you for what you are doing in this church, Lord. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in the church, Lord. Lord, we wanna see more and more of who you are come out in us, Lord. And Lord, I pray tonight as I preach Jesus, Lord, speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Speak to who we are, Lord. And Lord, let my, what I say tonight not be my words, but be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Around the end of last year, I got to go to India for work. So my Monday to Friday job is a data analyst. And I know you're thinking, how does that mean you get to go to India for work? Well, we have an office in India, so I had to, I had to go there and fix a few things. And, and then there was a missions part of it. And, and I, there was a few things I learned about India. One, it stinks. <laughs> it stinks, man. <laughs> Two, um, they're very um, hierarchy focused. That was weird. And three, there were so many gold statues of political figures around. I stayed in an orphanage, like in a really poor part of the world. And, and I looked around and there's all these gold statues. And I'm going, why is there so many gold statues? And then I worked out that they must read the Bible. Because in the Bible, there is a story about a king who decided that it was a good idea to build a 90 feet tall and nine feet gold white statue of himself. And I went, ah, they, that's why they did it. They, they saw that and went, I want that. But luckily for me, because I, didn't, I wouldn't have done this and I didn't want to do this, um, this guy who built this 94, he probably put a lot of funds into it. So he probably thought it was a good idea, well, he did think it was a good idea that he's going to make everybody in the town worship this statue. And then to cap it all off, he decided, one thing, if you don't though, I'm gonna throw you in a furnace, or organize to be thrown in a furnace. Thank goodness that didn't happen to me in India, because I didn't have to do that. I, I didn't even get to touch the gold. I wanted to know if it was real or not. I was really, they just amazed me. But you see, the story says, and Daniel 3 verse seven, oh, let's read it on the screen together. 
So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed the Jews, they said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue. When they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you or your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Next slide. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instrument. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace and then what God will be able to rescue you from my hell? See, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego found themselves in what I like to call a what-if moment. A what-if moment is a situation where everybody finds themselves in one stage or another in their life, where you have to take, decide which direction you are going to take. There's usually always two directions. There's usually the easy way that probably goes against what you believe, and then the hard way that is what you believe and what God's called you to do. But you see, you always have to make a decision, and it could be in many different scenarios where you find yourself asking these two words. It always starts with these two words, what if? For example, what if I don't go to church today? What if I don't tell people I'm a Christian on a Monday when they ask what you did on your weekend? What if I buy that Ben and Jerry's tub that cost $3,000? That that one's in my relationship. (laughs) Who here, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, has found themselves in a what-if moment? I know I have many times, but there's one specific time that I remember because it was probably the biggest what-if moment I found myself in. Seven days before my, well, two months ago, Tiana and I um, enjoyed our two-year anniversary. How good is that? (laughs) Went to Sydney. Went to Sydney. um, And every anniversary, we only had two, so it's not really like, (laughs) but every anniversary, we watch our wedding video and our wedding ceremony. It's like what we do. It's pretty fun. It's, It's great. We've got Harry's. Harry, Harry, Harry Senna's filmed the ceremony. It's just like. <laughs> but it's still good. It's still good. <laughs> um, and see, as I was watching that video, it reminded me of that time of my life. See, seven days before my wedding on January 16th, 2021, uh, um, 2021 um, seven days before my wedding, I wake up to do my last day of work and Anastasia Palaszczuk comes on the news and talks about this thing called a snap lockdown because of one COVID case. And I was like, what is a snap lockdown? What is that? I was like, that's like, I've heard of lockdown because that's what Melbourne people do. That's, that's like, they enjoyed that, but we don't do that in Queensland. So I remember that day I went to work. Tiana had already had like three weeks off. She had like six weeks off in between our wedding. How good is that? Um, I'm not jealous. Uh, and 
so we find ourselves, and, and I call her, I'm like, hey, have you watched the news? Because she was at the young adults retreat at the time. And she goes, yes, and she starts crying. And I'm like, I have to be on the phone like, no, nah, no, nah, it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be okay. But inside, I'm like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember that weekend wasn't great. We're, well, we were just at home doing nothing. It was just my birthday, which could have sucked. Um, but, but on the Monday, I remember waking up. At, uh, I was living at mum and dad's at that point, and I went straight to the couch at 9 a.m., Anastasia had a, her announcement. So I was with mum and dad, and we're watching it, and she goes, the lockdown's over. I'm like, thank goodness I was right. And then she goes, but it's not really. The only thing is you can leave your house. So you gotta think about this. On Monday, it's Monday. On Saturday, I'm getting married. I had to, we had to really plan a whole wedding in five days. In five days, we had to change catering, we had to, like, we had a bunch of interstate people coming. We had to then go, okay, are you coming? We had to then call family members, um, sorry, f- friends and go, hey, I know we invited your partner, but they can't come anymore. <laughs> like, like, it was not an easy, and I did what any responsible person would do is I went to the Gold Coast for two days with my friends <laughs> and let Tiana do that. <laughs> and then T- I, Tiana then asked the question, what if I don't marry this idiot? Uh, <laughs> But there were so many what-if questions that week. I had to book a new honeymoon two days before. It was, what if we just break the rules? That was more my side. What if, we, what if we just run away and just do it like ourselves and just have our family? Like, there were so many what-if moments that week. And what I re- remember realizing, it was such a week full of just stress and panic. And like, I didn't know which way to go. We didn't know which way to go. But in the end, we did get through it. And it was good. And just like me in my story or the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego story, I know there are people here that are going through or have gone through a what if moment. Moments where you've had to make a decision which direction you are going to take could be in work, could be in faith, could be in relationships or family, really could be anywhere. And maybe in these moments, history has shown you tend to make the wrong decision or you run away as the what if has become so big in your head that you're like, I can't even handle this decision. So I'm just gonna run away completely. And maybe you've got, or maybe you've gone through it in my story. And if you have, great. And, but if you haven't, that is okay. Because what I do know is that these moments are going to come again and again and again. And you'll need to make a choice in future how you handle these moments. It doesn't matter how you handled them in the past. It doesn't matter how, how you would have handled it an hour ago, honestly. What matters is that you need to make a decision tonight. How am I going to handle a what if moment when it comes? Are you gonna go, I'm, I'm just, it's too hard, I'm not gonna do it? Or are you gonna stick to what you believe is right in these situations? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to do this. These three Jewish men loved and only wanted to worship God. But then they were put in a position where they were going to be either forced to worship a king or be thrown in a furnace, and which is just crazy. You could only imagine the questions that would have been going through their heads at the time or the thoughts. I could imagine that one of the thoughts would have been, I'm sure God wants me alive. I can do more alive. I'll just worship the king. Boom, boom, five minutes of my day. And then the other 23 minutes and 55 hours of my day, I can, work, I can just worship God and I can show God's goodness. I'm sure when they were worshiping, maybe the question of what if we actually do get thrown into a fire? What if we, oh, what if we do actually die? 
and many, many more thoughts. And as I mentioned previously, this is gonna become a common theme in your life. God is moving way too much in our church, in the church, for the devil not to try and come in and bring doubt, to bring these what-if moments. It's just going to keep on happening. And you will need to decide in these moments if you are going to let those thoughts take over, those what-if thoughts, and actually agree with them, or you are gonna trust God. And that would have been the situation that these three men would have been in. The story goes on to say in Daniel 3, verse 16, on the screen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Amen. See, despite all the doubt that would have been there at time, despite all the worry, I actually, you're gonna get a picture into me. I actually really believe that, that one of them, I reckon, was like 50-50, but then got peer pressured by the other two. Like, they're like, are we sure we're gonna do this? Yes, you're, you're silly. Like, I have a suspicion on Meshach. That's, that's just my... <laughs> that, what I just said is not biblically correct. It's how I read the Bible. You're just getting into it. But despite all the doubt, all the worry, all the what if questions that would have gone through these men's heads, they still decided that they're gonna stick to their belief. They still decided that they were gonna stick to their conviction. They still decided about how scary the situation is. I'm just gonna trust God. When facing a what if moment, you need to remember that you have a God that is bigger than every trial. You have a God that is bigger than every storm, that is bigger than every situation, but you just need to trust him. God is bigger than everything, even when it seems impossible. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. God is with you at all times. Even in the lowest moments, in the highest moments, God is with you. He will strengthen you, he will guide you, he will protect you. But the thing is, you need to trust him. And that's what these three men, that's what Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego knew they had to do. But unfortunately, they, they, that's, I can't say that that speech got the king to go, wow, that was a good speech. That was, that was pretty good. Um, you know what? You don't actually have to do it. Clearly, you believe in this guy. Unfortunately, I wish I could say that like, he was like, yeah, I agree. But it didn't happen. And you see, the story goes on to say, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. That is, that would be an interesting face. <laughs> He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Next slide. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace. They fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Imagine being these three men. You stick up for what you believe is right. You stick up and you trust God that God is gonna come through and you're going, no, I'm not gonna worship my king. And then you get thrown 
into the furnace. I'm sure they would have been pretty crushed. I'm sure they would have been pretty hurt and worry would have risen. But probably the question of, what if I just bowed to the king? Would I be in this situation? What if Jesus really doesn't have my back? We've all asked ourselves that question once at a time in our moments. We all have. So many of these questions would have been asked. And just like these three men, you may have been in a what if moment. And you, you, you stuck with your conviction. You trusted God and it didn't go anything like what you thought it would. You actually were burnt. Or maybe you saw someone stick with their conviction, trusted God, and then they got burnt. And you made a decision from that moment onwards that you're never gonna trust God. And when one of moments come, I'm gonna run. And I really believe tonight that that we're gonna open up the altar and freedom is gonna break out. I really, in the worship, which is just, I really believe that there's breakthrough anointing here tonight. And I really believe that it's, it's been like chains have held, you held, you've held onto chains for it could be 10 years, could be 20 years, could be 30 years. And I really believe tonight as you walk into this altar that it's just gonna drop and it's gonna be like a freedom. You're just gonna be so free tonight. But you see, just like these people, I do have to say, even if you do what you, what you believe was right, even if you do what God called you to do, even if you trusted God, sometimes the outcome won't be what you thought the outcome will be. Sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes your idea of what you think is right is different to what actually is right. Maybe sometimes God is gonna actually use your suffering to help someone else. Think about that Peter and John story. They got thrown in jail and 5,000 people got saved. So clearly something happened. Yes, that is scary. Yes, it can be tough, but you cannot run away from these moments. Despite the fact it is easier to, despite the fact that nobody can attack you. If you run away from these moments, no one can attack you. I can understand that. But the thing is, as I said, these moments are always gonna come. These what if moments where you're asking yourself, what if, they're always gonna come and you need to decide how am I going to react? Even when it gets tough and is not how you planned, you need to stick through it and trust God. Remember the devil doesn't want us to live a good life. So he'll do everything he can to make sure that you get discouraged. But you need to remind yourself in these moments, you serve a God that is bigger than any situation. You serve a God that always has a plan and you serve a God that is always with you. And this story is a great reminder of this. These three men did the right thing. They stayed strong in their conviction and what they believed is right and still got thrown into a fire. But the thing is, the story doesn't stop there. Daniel 3, 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming, flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Because Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego decided that in their what if moment, they're going to trust God. In their what if moment, they're not going to bow down to a king, but they're going to bow down to the king. 
Look what happened. Look what happened. God was able to use that so he can be lifted up. And the story goes on to say, no, I must not have put it on this. That's my bad, sorry. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to the rescue, his servants who trusted him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. Yeah, he probably went a bit too far. <laughs> yeah, uh, intention was right, but, but execution, not great. But we're working with it. We're working with it. And there, no other God can rescue like this. I'm going to say that one more time. There is no other God who can rescue like this. That is the same king who just before that, Build a statue, said you need to worship or you'll be thrown in a furnace, then says there is no other God who can rescue like this. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decided that in their what if moment that they're gonna trust God, look what happened. The king then believes in God, starts praising God himself. And he did go too far at the end, but that's okay. This all wouldn't have happened. None of this would have happened if they decided this is too hard. They shied away from what they believed in. They had ample opportunity to. The king gave them an opportunity. Hey, I'll give you one more chance. But they decided, no, I serve a God that's worth sticking up for. I serve a God that is more powerful than any king. I serve a God that is in control. They didn't let their what-ifs take control of their thoughts and actions, but instead they trusted that God was bigger than their circumstance. And tonight I wanna ask you these two questions. What, what what ifs have you allowed to take control of your thoughts and actions that are holding you back from doing what God's called you to do? And what situations have you been in where you have allowed the what ifs to take control of how you handled the situation? Because we serve a God that is in control. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't even matter where you are now. What matters is that you give it to God. It's... These three men got threatened to be thrown into a furnace, but what did they do? They gave it to God. And tonight, I'm gonna be opening up the altar, as I mentioned, for the first people that, when what-if moments have happened, it's like it's become a chain in your life and you just can't even break free. And I believe that freedom's gonna break. But I also believe that tonight, I'm gonna open up the altar and I'm gonna believe that a special boldness and a special confidence from God is gonna come. When you go into your workplace this week, where you go into your school this week, where you go into your next family event, when the next what if moment occurs, you are gonna handle it so differently. You're gonna handle it with an extra strength and God is actually going to use you like you never thought could be used. Can I please have the band up? Before I do that though, I wanna just give people an opportunity tonight to actually enter into a relationship with God. I've been speaking about a God that wants the best for us, a God that is always with us and never leaves us, and even in the bad times. And the best part is, this love is for everyone. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes you have made because over 2,000 years ago, God sent his one and only son to die on the cross so that we can be forgiven, 
so that we can be loved at all times. So can I please have everybody stand and just bow their heads and close their eyes? And if that is you tonight, as everybody's eyes are closed, what I would love for you to do is I'm gonna count to three in a moment. And if you just raise your hand as a sign to say, Jack, I wanna enter into a relationship with God, I can guarantee you it will be the best relationship you will ever enter into. I can guarantee you, you'll have someone in your, with you at all times. You'll have someone with you just to get you through the hard times. You have, I've been speaking about a God that was with us at all times. And he is with us at all times. And all you need to do is say a prayer and you're entering into a relationship with you. So I'm gonna count to three in a moment. And if that is you, while everybody's eyes closed, their heads bowed, and you say, Jack, I wanna enter into a relationship with you. I'm gonna then pray a prayer that everybody is gonna pray. And then you've got into relationship with Jesus. That's it. That's all you need to do. It's that easy. So right now, as I count to three, if that is you, I would love for you to raise your hand. So one, God is the best decision you'll ever make. Two, he loves you no matter what you've done. You could have done the worst thing possible. He'll still forgive you. Three, if that is you, please raise your hand right now. Thank you very much. Wow, thank you. It will be the best decision you ever make. I can guarantee you. Is there anybody else tonight? Anybody else? So if that is you, what I'm gonna do is I would love for everybody to repeat this prayer after, after me, and then you'll be in a relationship. So dear Jesus, I believe in you, and I want to have relationship with you. I know I have sinned. Please forgive me, and help me to live a life more like you. Thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my wrongdoing. Because of you, I now have hope and eternal life. As a Christian, I want to follow you. Amen. Can we give that person a massive round of applause? <laughs>